0: Welcome to The Golf Course, a modern forum for business conversations in insurance. On The Golf Course today, I chat with Nicholas Sewer about how to have more innovation quicker. Nicholas's company, Casco, is facilitating more pilots with less money, specifically for insurance carriers. Let's tee it off. So welcome back to The Golf Course. On The Golf Course today, we have Nicholas Sewer. He's the co-founder and CEO of a fantastic company called Casco. And I've invited him onto The Golf Course today because of a sort of personal question I have about how to facilitate connections between insurance technology companies and large corporate carriers, when there's a lot of challenges of bringing new companies, new technologies, and exchanging data in that procurement process. So, Nicholas, Nicholas is going to share his wisdom about how Casco solves that problem. Welcome to the golf course, Nicholas.
1: Ah, Gary, thank you very much for having me. Really excited uh, to have this opportunity to tell um, a little bit about our story.
0: Yeah, let's start there because I think there's a lot to cover in this podcast. Just from my brief understanding of what you do, it sounds like you're solving a really important problem. How would you describe the problem and your solution set?
1: So I think on a, on a kind of really high level, the, the base problem with insurance is the inefficiencies within the insurance value chain going into distribution and um, kind of operating. So if you look at it, depending on the product line, and the numbers kind of vary, but up to 40% of your insurance premiums kind of just go away into administrating and distributing, just getting the product to the customer. Mm-hmm. Now, there's various elements um, to it, but we believe one of the big parts is um, is driven by legacy IT infrastructure of the insurance companies um, in order to um, design and offer their insurance products. Mm -hmm. And we want to contribute um, um, to the market and um, offering efficiencies to the value chain by partnering with insurance companies, usually in the product management and underwriting um, functions, by allowing them to design and offer insurance products to their customers in a digital manner without having to rearrange their internal IT. Okay. And it InsureTech as a service.
0: Insuretech as a service, that's a great tagline because I think a lot of carriers perhaps are looking to engage with more tax, but this is sort of a, a new, vibrant, growing space. So let's ground this an example, right? Let's take ODN, my company, for example, yes. right? We, uh, in pilots and in testing agreements, need to exchange data with an insurance carrier. So, Today, that can be kind of cumbersome, right? We need to set up a sandbox or some sort of environment. We've actually exchanged CDs, if you can believe it, and some carriers. So tell me what the- Yeah, I know. I don't even have a computer that accommodates a CD anymore. We had to get a CD nope. extension to even yeah. read the file right so uh, tell me what it looks like different when cascos involved how would uh, a company like odn benefit from working with you and then how does the carrier benefit from working with you more importantly
1: and um, on a fundamental level we have um, if you like an insure tech in a box right so or you could call it a sandbox where We can replicate an insurance product, the policy administration, the customer journeys, and outside of the insurance um, IT infrastructure in a compliant manner um, by having gone through all the checks and balances of the insurance company. Mm -hmm. And this is then, think about it as if the insurance company had a kind of more modern, open um, infrastructure. And this can... This can be, um, depending on the proposition, the insurance company might want to partner with other startups, data providers, depending on how they believe they can add value to the market. So we had one example whereby one of our insurance partners wanted to offer an asset inventory, something like trough, to their customers, um, but they didn't really want to, for pilot, wanted to exchange in a data agreement, go to the regulator, figure out where the data was stored. It was just onerous on everyone's part. So because we already had the regulatory um, and IT sandbox in place, we actually usually write new business. We actually got existing customer data transferred um, so that the startup could behind our, and put an API wall over it, they could consume the data in a safe environment without actually having to store the data and thus enabling the poc
0: yeah it seems like the real value proposition here is actually um the sort of benefit of having more pocs having more productivity in the process of interacting with startups
1: yes so i would um in i think it's about connectivity and it's about minimizing opportunity costs i think um I think we're all clear that insurance in the next five to ten years will look a lot different than it does today. We just don 't know in which order, so we feel that um, under high uncertainty, the best risk management is lowering and minimizing opportunity costs, being able to make a lot of calculated bets and that 's really where we come in as a principle, just being able to try stuff out and we would actually, the way we try to phrase our engagements with insurance companies is not so much, if you want to do this, this is how much it costs, but it's more around in one year's time, if you look back, how much money can we have spent for this not to work? And you still feeling fine with it. Assume that it won't work. And that just puts a very different mindset um, into it. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, fail fast doesn't mean fail often and fail intentionally. It's just a mindset to kind of say, how can you um, try things out when you don't really know where um, the journey is going to take you?
0: Yeah, it reminds me sort of of the startup experience, sort of putting yeah. the mindset of, of a founder to say, we're going to invest in something we think is a future, but that ship could sail off the side of the earth and you just don't know what's around the world.
1: Absolutely, and um, I mean personally, I, I'm I don't really like the word innovation because it has this weird thing to it. I prefer the word um, entrepreneurship, and to me, entrepreneurship is just figuring out what works really fast, doubling down on the stuff that doesn't, but then also aborting when it doesn't. Right, and I think that's really what is aside from the technical aspect of insure tech as a service, we do have. I think we do inject that level of mindset into the partnerships with our insurance carriers. Simply. Um, I mean, you know, on average we ship products within four to six weeks that just kind of comes with, let's not worry about getting together, you know, physically, cause that is usually takes eight weeks. Let's just, let's just get over it. You know, here's my WhatsApp, you know, we've a about WhatsApp group, let's just, let's just get stuff done. Um, and I think that's one of the side aspects of working with a startup.
0: In my mind, Casco really shifts the risk reward sort of balance, right? You're yes. saying Can we take some of the risk off of the left side of the scale so that even if the reward doesn't change, the relative Absolutely. distribution does?
1: Absolutely. And I think, I mean, one of the things that we talk a lot um, or hear a lot about is, you know, ecosystem, ecosystem, ecosystem. And, you know, I I mean, I think it's a fancy word for partnerships, quite frankly. But I think what we'll all appreciate that along the value chain, if the cost of connectivity resides, um, the level of partners within a different proposition can increase Mm -hmm. quite quite exponentially, right? You know, we don't do our own payments. We use Stripe. We don't use our own service. We do AWS, but we, we wrap it up in a proposition. And I actually think one of the key differentiators for any enterprise in the future, especially insurance companies, will be figuring out how to collaborate. And collaborating doesn't mean signing a 10-year exclusive agreement and investing 50 million into a relationship. Honestly, everyone with a lot of money can do that. It's around figuring out um, which partnerships to engage, doubling down on partnerships, and doing exactly as you said, by taking down the risk, all of a sudden a lot more opportunities become worthwhile exploring and if it was that easy where the next you know hundred million 10 million um, opportunity results people would have gone for it already you know? uh-huh. so you, you gotta you gotta try stuff out
0: so is casco in the market sort of a new paradigm I'm thinking look we have startups we have insurtechs techs and we have insurance carers we've always thought about sort of direct sales from insurance carrier direct to customer being, uh, or I'm sorry, insurance technology company direct to the Mm -hmm. carrier as their customer. But I'm learning as a new sort of startup founder in this space, we've been in this space for about two years, a company for about five, I'm learning that distribution channels are really the key to any startup success. How quickly can you get your product into the hands of more potential carrier customers? So from the insurance technologist perspective, I'm curious to know, I mean is it a tough case to make to intro text to work with you or to like d- are you building a sort of partner network in the process? So I think there's we tried
1: many ways um, of um, of kind of plugging this together. So initially we thought the right way to do, it, as you said, um, I would still actually argue, distribution trans product. Mm-hmm. That's at least the um, because it's really hard. How do you define a good insurance product? It's really hard to, to define. I would actually say if a good insurance product is if a large proportion of the premium is paid claims. That to me is a good insurance product. Um, right? Um, so, but that's, um, that's not something I discussed with my wife over dinner tape. Right? That's not that kind of. So it's, it's, it's quite difficult to assess from a consumer. So we thought we'd target distribution, go to banks, ecosystems, marketplaces, identify their demand, specify the product, and then go to capacity providers. Found out that didn't work so well because the most interesting distribution has already been captured by incumbent insurers. Now, what we found is we need to, if you, we need to convince the insurance companies and show them a way to tap into more opportunities And then they'll bring us into their distribution channels and we'll just enable those. Mm -hmm. Now, the way and we the way we and we banged our heads against (laughs) the insurance company. So it's a long complex sales cycle. What we found out was targeting product people, so doing a business pitch rather than or an opportunity pitch rather than a technology pitch. Pricing it as on pilots, so pricing it below fifty thousand, so there's decentralized budgets, and um, being really curious. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I think and and making sure that you, your team, your investors are in it for the long haul because it'll take to make an insurance relationship work. But if that works, that can be really... Um, insurance companies are, are hard to convince, but they're usually very loyal. It's a relationship business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the truth. And finding distribution partners and, frankly, facilitators, which I would maybe throw Casco into that bucket of... How do we actually facilitate that connection is an important, is just as important for a startup or for an insurance technology company trying to reach customers as it is for the carriers. Because I'd imagine that those that can't figure out how to connect or how to build relationships back down the value chain don't innovate nearly as fast. Maybe you can Absolutely. Absolutely. numbers for us.
1: And I would say we've just been incredibly lucky. When we started four years ago, insurance companies started to look to work with startups. I think six years ago, they would just go, yeah, this is, this doesn't fit our standard. Oh, you're in the cloud. This doesn't work. So there's a lot been done by, and I would say, you know, VCs backing up other insure techs. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Lemonade. I think they do so much service to the entire insurance industry, the insurance companies themselves, because I think people think there is one, as an insurance company, as one, I don't know, coherent interest group. That's not the case. So if I was working for, I don't know, travelers, Allstate, Allianz, and I love my job and I want to do things differently, but the naysayers always win all of a sudden, someone like Lemonade shows that the proposition can look different. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I have another case like, why don't we do something like that? So then they're, ah, it's not going to work. And now they're successful. Mm-hmm. So I think the more success there is in the market, the more funding there is in order to make these bets work mm-hmm. for the long term, the better it is for anyone in the insurance industry trying to enact change. And we're certainly working with those. If you don't want to do anything differently, then we have a very short conversation.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, if you want to spend $50 on some sort of implementation over 10 years, go right ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Failing and learning and failing and learning a hundred times in that same time period. Um, that's, it's an interesting example because I think millennials as a purchasing class are a genre of people that I think carriers are still trying to figure out, um, auto insurance. And I'll tell you, it's a mess because personal auto, uh, millennials have really bad credit. They have a lot of debt. They don't have financial history. So traditional ways, even not from a customer engagement, but just from a data and underwriting perspective, working anymore so this is an interesting case to say all right let's take an example of lemonade however you feel positive or negative about them i find that they're quite divisive like elon musk either you're a big fan or you really don't like them but the point is try something different in small bites if we can facilitate that process faster cheaper accelerate the timeline to which you can test and retest and try and fail and you know what this isn't for us this isn't a genre or a class of people we want to go after. I don't know that anyone's perfectly figured out the millennial genre yet. Like Lemonade has an approach, but could Travelers, could Allianz, could any number of the ones you just mentioned iterate from that? And how? How would they do that even today?
1: Yeah, so I think um, at, at the end of the day, it's really what you've mentioned. You've got to make sure that you take away the opportunity cost of delivering something. And if you look at one, and I think there's two problems, there's three problems to overcome. There is technology, governance, talent, I think. It's not just a technology problem. Um, Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's you've got to know what not to build, quite frankly, because theoretically you can build whatever you want. I think it's a governance problem. It's to say they spend so much time um, sitting in rooms, getting everyone aligned, and not even having a single customer. So I think creating a fast track um, of putting things to market, and to be honest, most insurance companies are on that path. And then I think it's a talent problem. I think, and by that I mean a digital talent, and I feel it's really hard. For insurance companies to attract digital talent, against the likes of startups, tech companies, banks, defense. Now, I'm not a developer, but I would say, you know, working for the NSA, if from a development perspective, probably pretty cool. Whether that is, you know, morally, whether you want to do that, you know, that's 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 you. But there's so much aspiration and so much cool stuff. The problem with talent is. I actually don't think that insurance companies have that big of a problem attracting talent right? do you could, you know change the face of all that it's then retaining them because mm. if people were kind of go this is an interesting problem I come from a startup environment tech environment whatever and we're going to figure this out if you then spend 70% 90% in rooms in meetings just talking about doing stuff rather than doing it a lot of people leave again. Pretty interesting to see what the lifespan of chief digital officer in an insurance company hired from the outside is. I would give them 12 months mostly. But anyway, I don't know. I haven't seen the data, um, but I think it's so frustrating seeing all the potential and not being able to do it. And that's the governance thing, but insurance companies are getting incredibly better at it. And I feel Working with a startup or a bunch of startups on that change program, to me, is a no brainer. And if you then feel you get all everything you've learned from a startup, I mean, by all means, then you know, don't work with them anymore,
0: right? And only spend fifty thousand dollars in the process, yeah,
1: rather than 15 million, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, so this works for new ideas, right? Like facilitating the introduction of brand new outside of the box thinking maybe from other industries like city planning or banking or finance so but it also i would imagine works to update existing technologies maybe operating systems
1: so so what we find we're we're now getting um more requests about oh so you do Parts of an insurance, um, you know, do you provide an insurance policy administration system? And we'll say, well, we do parts of it, but not the whole thing. And the question is, so what do you do if you have an old system and you want to change? And to me, I would always go in these steps. I would say, focus on product and distribution. So focus on an MGA type layer. Mm-hmm. Figure out where the new customers come from. Then buy a State of the art policy administration system from the market on a greenfield approach and see how much flexibility, how many um, cost advantages you're actually getting. So, t- stress test your target operating model in the real environment mm-hmm. and then start migrating. What I wouldn't do is spending a hundred million on a large digital transformation program being kind of bogged down for five years, not really knowing what's happening, not being able to react to the market. So I would start outside in rather than inside out.
0: You're saying sort of go with a business line use case, test it in a small sort of constrained environment versus going enterprise wide?
1: Yes, absolutely. I would never start, I would always start Greenfield and then migrate.
0: Mm -hmm. Now Casco is in this space, but I know I hear a lot of like, we pay a lot of money to Dun & Bradstreet, to FICO, to LexisNexis, to these sort of traditional players that have previously sort of facilitated that type of engagement, that type of digital transformation. Do you think Casco or other companies will disrupt those companies?
1: So I think it depends a little bit on where you see yourself in the market. So if you like, Slice, I think, are doing a great job. Boost Insurance are doing some stuff um, in that space. And Standard in in the UK. And if you position yourself as an alternative policy administration system, yes. Ourselves, we don't consider that. We want to, we consider ourselves a distribution layer with enough policy administration functionality to stop Gap, to build up a portfolio. So for us, Um, guidewire is in no way a competitor. It's a perfect partner for us because they're so good at creating. I mean, don't get me trying to digitalize an existing insurance company is so complicated, so complex. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is kind of building that factory, but then having a different speed and different environment of trying to figure out, connect to, To ensure text, to distribution, to data place, to the customers, and constantly iterating on how to advance your model. So, let's say there was a really great um, YouTube video from uh, Daniel uh, from Lemonade around expanding the underwriting model. Now, you're gonna, let's say you collect 50 additional data points, they're not all gonna be predictive. You just don't know yet. So you've got to collect them, test them before you'll put them into your core system. And this test and learn only ever stops at a point where you think there's nothing more to learn about the customer. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a continuous process of optimization, figuring things out.
0: And so relevant to data-focused companies. We yes. Insurance technology broadly. And certainly there's uh, when you're dealing sort of with a user interface or customer engagement tool, there's a lot of back and forth to refine sort of the way that the customer journeys through the tool. But when it comes to data and optimizing the performance of data models, um, there has to be back and forth. And one <laughs> of the very direct experiences I can share is getting an opportunity to pilot something with a carrier that really only gives you one at bat to swing at an outcome that you may not even have the data to model for in advance. So say you're trying to predict claims to reduce loss ratios, yep. You know, access to claims data. So you provide your data into the system, test it once. And if, the loss lift isn't there or the sample size isn't large enough. That's sort of the end of the engagement in part because they've wasted or wasted. They've used a lot of their time, which is valuable. They've spent a lot of their money, maybe up to $50,000, like you mentioned for a pilot Um, that there aren't a lot of opportunities to iterate in that cycle because of all the administration.
1: And we would actually there's kind of two ways we it's it's funny in the beginning we were like they asked us what they wanted to do and then we gave a prize then we iterated we're now kind of flipping it around and just saying guys honestly um how quickly do you want to go to market and how much budget you have and by the way if you have let's only allocate half of the budget Mm -hmm. because chances are we're going to have to figure stuff out along the way um and we much rather um Be able to figure this out with you than getting paid but then at the end of the day in 12 months time looking back kind of going hey it was okay working with Casca, but it didn't work i'd much rather make it work
0: (laughs) yeah and exactly take an approach of change orders which are belaborous and cumbersome today but the pro- one of the problems hopefully you're fixing, right, is taking a lot of that administrative overhead out of the conversation so that you can reinvest, double down on things that are promising, but maybe not perfect straight out of the box.
1: Absolutely. And I think, I mean, if I kind of look back, the, the stuff that I thought would work, didn't, and the stuff that I thought was mental actually turned out to be awesome. And I, I'm just kind of going, let's just, again, it kind of comes down to what is what do you think the probability of getting it right the first time really is? And that's not about right or wrong. It's just setting with the first variant and working your way through. And of course, sometimes the probabilities are higher, so you you, you place your bets. Betting is not just you know spraying and praying. It's calculated bets. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing that I find is insurance companies. It should be in their DNA. They have risk management, portfolio taking. They manage risks, so really they should be able to. They should be all over the place.
0: <laughs> yeah, they should be putting more volume because more exactly volume might uh, uh, you know by the law of big numbers end up hitting a big winner. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. I hope our listeners have really gained a lot of insight, I think, into the mindset of of failing fast, trying multiple things, and really, hopefully, we've got a few people to buy in on the importance of reducing overhead costs for the back-end benefits of being able to innovate more and... and yep reiterate and test more options so it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today nicholas thank Thank you. you so much and this again has been the golf course thanks for being on the golf course we'll see you next time
1: thank you so much always a pleasure